And let me first say thank you, FBC, for your love and your appreciation. And, and, and not only just, I don't say this just for me, I, th- I say this for us. You, and, and I know that this may not mean as much to you, but, if, but I think you know me by now and you know Trey and you know our heart. The fact that you said two pastors, that was a big deal for me. My brother is a pastor, and I knew when he came that he was going to be a pastor. And so I'm thankful that you have accepted him as your pastor. And it's not just Brian pastor and staff member, it is, it is pastors. And so that, that is a huge blessing for, for me and him. Uh, there, there's no competition there. And so uh, I, don't know where I, I don't know where we would be without Brother Trey, in all honesty, and how God has used him. He is, he's been a major, major help. And so from the bottom of my heart, and I know from him as well, we say thank you. We love you, and it is a joy to, to serve you. Um, and so thank you. First Corinthians chapter 14, if you will, take your Bibles and turn with me. Chapter 14, beginning in verse 26. I want to, this morning, we're going to pick up where we left off. And if you will, I want to go ahead and, and dive in to this, to this chapter. I know that when the last time that we were here, the week before the revival, Uh, We dealt with the issue of speaking in tongues, and we're not really done with that. We're going to continue dealing with the issue of speaking in tongues, but you're going to see how it all plays a part, that the the context is bigger than this one gift of speaking in tongues. The the context falls within the context of 11, 12, 13, and 14, and it is the gathering of the church. And so the title of this sermon, and even next week's sermon, will be When We Gather, when we gather, and I want you to see that, but I want to begin this morning, and I want us to go ahead and just go ahead and dive in to the reading of God's Word. So if you will, join with me in verse 26, chapter 1 Corinthians 14, beginning in verse 26, and let us read the Word of God this morning. Paul writes, he says, What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at, or at most three, and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must be si- keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. It says, The women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to subject themselves, just as the law also says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Was it from you that the word of God first went forth, or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. He says, therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. But all things, don't miss this, beloved, all things must be done to properly and in orderly, be done in properly and orderly manner. And may God bless the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. As I said, the last time that we were here, we did deal with that issue of speaking in tongues. But if you remember that in those first verses, in verses 1 through 25, Paul is exhorting and explaining to the church the reason why he believes that at the end of the day, the spiritual gift of prophecy 
And for us, it's not future telling, but it is forth telling. So the spirit would be the spiritual gift of preaching and teaching is a greater priority than the others. And he's exhorting the church to do that. Paul is exhorting the local church, the faith family, to pursue preaching over speaking in tongues and even the other gifts because preaching edifies the church. It builds the church up. We're going to talk about that even more this morning. But not only that, if you remember, and if you were not here, you can catch that sermon a couple of weeks ago on our, on our website or our app. But, but not only does it edify the church, but Paul says it also helps keep the church from, from confusion and chaos. And the Corinthians had a lot of confusion. And so we have seen throughout this book that, that this is a book in which Paul has been exhorting a church that he loves. There are people that he loves. He cares about these people. But they've had, some, they've had some practices that they needed to be rebuked on. There were some things that they were doing that were wrong. And so the Apostle Paul, through from chapter 1 now to chapter 14, chapter 15 he's going to switch over to doctrine. But all, all this has been about these practices. And he's been trying to correct them. He's been teaching them that they may correct And so here we find that the Corinthians were a church that when they gathered together, like we have gathered together today for worship, they were a church that was filled with confusion and chaos. We will see this throughout the the verses. People were speaking in tongues, and they were doing so without interpretation. They were not only speaking in tongues without interpretation, they were also speaking in tongues and others speaking in tongues, you know, over them. They were just kind of all doing it at once. Not only that, their preaching was also a little bit of a out of control and prophesying was out of control. Prophesying was, and they were doing it on top of one another. So one person would begin to talk, another would then begin. And then you even had it where there were women in the church who were then trying to usurp the authority of their spouses and the pastors in the church and begin to speak over them. And so you had all these people who were trying to climb the ladder and be the one that everyone heard and to be the one at the front and have the spotlight on them. And so it began to create chaos within the church. But what was worse about all of this ecstatic behavior, it just kind of became the norm. And so what they would say is, is that, that when they would begin to act in these ways and they would be all spontaneous in their revelations and their speaking in tongue, they would say, well, this is spiritual. I'm spiritual for acting this way. And they truly believe these spontaneous, you know, static services where they were just kind of acting uncontrollably was of God. And brothers and sisters, we face the same misconception today that all you have to do is, is today after church just go get on YouTube or get on Facebook and anywhere around the world just pick a country. It really wouldn't matter whether it's, it happens here in America, it happens all over the world. Pick anywhere. But, but you can begin to find churches today that have lost all sense of order and control. I have seen it to where, where they, I've even seen it where men in full-on suits are running around the church and they jump literally into the baptistry. Lost complete control within the service. Screaming, speaking in Bible, running around. And not only that, beloved, and before we ever begin to maybe even point the finger, they even would, we even preach without control. And I've seen this in our very own denomination. So before we can ever begin to point the finger, we need to realize that even preaching without control, Paul's talking against that. And what's worse is that we begin to say, well, this is the spiritual experience. That if you want to meet with God and have a spiritual experience, then you need to have this ecstatic, spontaneous, trance-like, or how about this one, let go and let God experience. And if you don't let go and let God 
then you have not met with God and you, have not, you are not spiritual people. Yet, as you will discover from the Bible, chapter 14, what we're going to look at, this is not the case. Matter of fact, Paul is going to show you that it is actually the very opposite, that the more spiritual is those who gather and gather in an orderly way. God expects order, not disorder. God expects control, not wild behavior. God expects substance, not emptiness. And sadly, not only have we lost the true meaning of the speaking in tongues, beloved, but we have forgotten why we gather. And this is all denominations. Why do we gather when we come into this place? What are we to expect that if you were to travel to another place on vacation and you were to go to church there, you should be able to expect in that church, no matter the denomination, you should be able to expect in that church the same thing that you would expect in this church as well. And so I want you to see the expectation that we are to have when we gather from this chapter. So so if you will, notice verse 26, just the very first part of it. Paul writes, he says, so what is the outcome then, brethren? In other words, if you want to sum that up or interpret it this way, Paul says, where do we go from here? I have given you all of these things, chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13, the first part of 14. And he says, all right, I've given you all of this teaching. Now, where do we go from here? We must remember that orthodoxy is always going to lead to orthopraxy. That our beliefs and the teachings of Scripture must be applied in daily living and daily gathering. And so Paul here is seeking to apply and to put into practice what he has been teaching to the Corinthians over the last several verses and the last several chapters. And so chapter 14 answers the question of what do we do when we gather what do we do on Sunday mornings right now? Or what, or what are we doing? Is it right? I want to break this down into two sermons because there's a whole lot here. It is, it, as much as this pains me, I, I really planned on moving into chapter 15 last week. But we're going to break this into two sermons. I want to look at the proper conduct and the proper, I'm sorry, the proper content today. And then next week we're going to look at the proper conduct. Because as you'll see, the content is just as important as the conduct. And so we're going to look at the proper content this morning. I want you to see two headings this morning, the content and the purpose. The content of the service and the purpose behind the content. And so let's dive in this morning. Verse 26 again. Look at the second part of that. Paul writes, he says, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. This is going to be the focus of where we're going to be. This this right here will cover the content. Mainly, we'll, we'll bounce around a little bit, but the verse 26 is the content of the service. Now, this was the substance. This is what they were to do when they gathered. Now, if you'll look at verse 33, you see he says, For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Notice what he says there at the end of that verse. He says, As in all the churches of the saints. So you need to understand that what Paul is writing here was not just for the Corinthians, beloved. It was for all the churches, for all the saints. So this applies to you and me as well. Paul is giving us the proper content for a worship gathering when we come together to make much of the Lord. So what do we have? Notice what he says. He says you have a psalm. Now a psalm, or maybe your translation says a hymn. There in verse 26, it means psalm or hymn. It's basically the same thing. Either way, what it is, is a reading or, and or singing of the scriptures. You would have a reading of the, of, the, of the Old Testament psalm or other Old Testament scriptures, or they would sing songs on this. 
the church would publicly read. We see this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Ephesians 5, 19, Revelations 1, 3. But just, just for our sakes, Colossians 3, 16, he says, Let the word of God, let the word of Christ, ritually dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another. Then he says, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we understand that this is something all the churches would do. They would read the scriptures publicly and they would even sing the scriptures. We have done that this morning. We have read the word and we have sang the teachings and the doctrines that come from the word. Amen? Amen. All right, so we also have a teaching, and so this is what I'm doing now, a prepared sermon or prepared, you know, uh, on a scripture or doctrine, and if you notice, there are many teachings, and so I'm, we're working that way, where I'll take about 45 minutes, and then Trey will take 45 minutes, and then, and then someone else, y'all don't want to go there? Somebody's like, remember that guy that fell out of the window when Paul, yeah, don't worry, but there will be a teaching, there would be this preparation on the text we saw it in colossians three sixteen. we are to teach so they would they would prepare beforehand to bring the word of god and they would teach it now notice these next two because because i'm going to show you something here notice next he said a revelation so this is for the the office of prophet and apostle that if there was a prophet or apostle in the church and they received revelation they were to give revelation all right well under i'll, I'll go through the conduct of that next week but but you see here that's what it that's what was going on. The apostle or the prophet would give a new revelation. I'll explain a little more in just a second. Then you have a tongue and interpretation. Very, very, very important that you understand the Greek wording here. Because we talked about tongues is a known language. Spanish, German, it's you speaking a language of some other people group. It is not, this is static Bible. And I even showed you in the text where that comes from, how we know that from Scripture. But also the Greek word is glossia. And glossia means the, the dialect of the tongue. It is, a, it is understandable. So Paul is using this word, very particular here, glossia, that what is given in the service is a tongue of a known people group. And he even said in an interpretation, which I'll talk more next week on there. But so what we know is, is that the word that he is using means this is not an ecstatic babble, an ecstatic utterance. That, uh, that's just that no language, that there's no language around the world that no one knows. Paul is saying that when you gather and there is a speaking of tongues here, it is the language of a people group. So there you have the content, a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, a tongue, an interpretation. We know the Bible tells us the Lord's Supper and baptism. We know to pray and even give our offerings, which you'll talk about in chapter 16. But, but so there's the content. But the question that we must ask is, is, well, is this our content? Is this what we're to do? Well, yes and no. We have to think through this. We have to think through the context of all of Scripture. And so to answer that question, we have to look at each one of these. And when we look at the issue of Revelation, what we know is, is that from Scripture, from the, the epistles of the New Testament, what we have discovered is, is that the canon is closed. When I say canon, I mean the books of the Bible. And so we know that there at the end of Revelation, very easily, you can point to that very one where he says, do not add or take away from this book. But we know that everything that we see is, is that, the, that the office of prophet and apostle has ceased. In the epistles, it always talks about it kind of like in a past tense, but it never gives you any type of what to do future tense with qualifications and what they're to do. No, they do that with preachers and deacons. So we know that apostles and prophets have ceased, and so therefore no new revelation is being given. Therefore the canon is closed. We're not adding to the Bible. We're not taking away from the Bible. 
And so therefore, when we come together, brothers and sisters, we're not doing new revelation. We're not doing, God's talking to me, let me talk to you. No, what we're doing is, we're telling you the scriptures, the revealed word of God. That's what we have. So we understand revelation is not taking place here. But for Corinth, it was, because it was, they still had apostles and even some prophets. So they still had that office. We do not have that. And then secondly, the gift of tongues. And as I've said, the gift of tongues, for all accounts, it seems that there is no reason for us to be having that, especially here in America, where everyone speaks, where everyone speaks the same language, especially in our, our congregation, everyone speaks the same language. And if someone was to come in with a different language, brothers and sisters, we could find them an interpreter, or we even have churches now that are specifically for those people groups and for their known language. And so by all accounts, we are sensationists that we see that speaking in tongues has come to a cease. Again, if there's an opportunity out there in the far reaches of the jungles or something where God overcomes language barriers, praise God. But the spiritual gift is not needed here. And you'll even see that more next week as we get into the conduct. But notice the content that is left. Psalms and teaching. Brothers and sisters, that when we gather, we understand that we are to publicly read the scriptures as Brother Larry did just a few moments ago. We understand that we are not only to read the scriptures, we are to sing the scriptures as Brother Trey has led us. Victory in Jesus, his mercy is more. What a wonderful song. Those are the promises of scriptures that we have victory in Christ. Those are the things that we know that the mercy of God is greater than our sins. And so we sing these songs that that mimic the scripture. We're not just singing what I want to sing. We're singing songs that are based upon the scriptures. And then we have the teaching and the preaching where we're preaching the scriptures. We're, we're, ex, we're exegeting the text. We're pulling out of the text the teaching of the text and the doctrines. And we're proclaiming it forth. This is the content of our worship service. And I would say to you, brothers and sisters, this is the content of every church around the world if you were to go gather with them on a Sunday morning. FPC, there is a principle called in the scholarly world the regulative principle of worship. And here's what it states. It states that the corporate worship of God is to be founded upon the specific directions of Scripture. In other words, FPC, you don't get to do any and everything you want to do when you gather with a faith family. You don't get to come and go, this is what I think is spiritual. This is what I think we need to do. Out, you know, I saw this out there in the world, and I saw this religion and that religion. You don't get to come in and say, hey, look, I've got this really, really cool idea, and we're going to do this. We're, look, we can preach, we can do this, but this right here, this thing is really spiritual, and it'll, get a, it'll help us have an experience with God. No. We must understand that as a local church, the authority of what we do and say in this place comes not from man, but from God. Look at verse 36 and 37. Paul is really mocking them here, but, but pay attention. Verse 36, he says, Was it from you that the word of God first went forth, or has it come to you only? You see, the Corinthians were going, well, female pastors, we can do that. Well, we can act this way. We can prophesy. We can speak in tongues. Paul goes, no, no, no. Did God tell you you could do this? Well, what do you mean? Did, did, God, did the word of God come to you? Oh, no, it came to the apostles. 
And the apostles, with their authority, have told the church what to do. So look at verse 37. He says, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. So brothers and sisters, understand that verse 26 is a commandment of God. That when you gather, you are to have the proper content. You are to conduct yourself properly in the worship service. So so we understand this morning the content here. We see that you and I do not have the authority to decide what is proper in our church gatherings. That comes from God. That comes from the scriptures. And so FEC, I submit two things to you this morning. Beloved, to move away from the content found in the scriptures concerning when we gather from our our main church gathering is not spiritual but but i had an experience i i I experienced this thing i i know the bible didn't say that that we could do the skit and this drum I, i i we did this and we played this country song and we did that and it it really moved me brother brian i had a an experience with the lord paul says spiritual people do not move away from the authority of the scriptures in fact brothers sisters we are actually the opposite paul says if you move away from the commandment of god and you think you're spiritual he says we are not to recognize you so if you were to come and you were to say man i saw this down at the jehovah witnesses i saw this down at this place, and i think we could just make it christian you know we'll just make it christian and we'll just do it right here Right? I, I know, th- th- we'll sing this song. I mean, I know it doesn't come from Scripture, I, but, but it speaks to me, Brother Brian. You, according to the, the, the Scriptures, are not to be recognized. Disobedience to the Scriptures in worship will lead to chaos and confusion. It leads to that word that we saw on Sunday nights in our survey courses, antinomianism, a license to sin, where basically you just say, God, you love me, so I can do whatever I want. And we've, we've done that in the worship service. We say, I know the Bible doesn't say this. I know that, I know that this is really not Christian, but we're going to do it anyways, God. And you have made a license to sin. And brothers and sisters, if you don't believe me, that this will lead to chaos and confusion, go back to the kings of Israel when they moved away from the Scriptures and they made those high places, They worshiped in the temple, but they had the high places too. We are not to be like them. And so we have to be very careful on holidays, such as 4th of July and Mother's Day and Father's Day, that on those days, yes, we can love on mothers, we can love on fathers, we can thank God for our country, but that when we gather in this place, brothers and sisters, it is about God and the scriptures and the authority that God has given us and told us that when you gather, you are doing what I've told you to do. We must be very, very careful. And I would even submit to you also, secondly, brothers, sisters, that the truly spiritual people obey the Lord's commands. That you come in here and you say, you don't have to manufacture a a spiritual and emotional experience. You come into this place and by faith on the word of God, are we not people of faith? Or, Or are we people of emotions? No, we're people of faith. That even when the emotions are not there, we believe in the promises of God. So when we come into a place and we go out, you know, the the singing may have been off today. The preacher may have been off today. But we go, but by the promises of God, 
We have met with God and we have done obediently what he's called us to do. So spiritual people obey the Lord's command and they do not manufacture spiritual experiences. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean that worship is to be a killjoy. That doesn't mean that you can't come in here and you can't clap, you can't raise your hand, that you can't say amen. I was just joking. You, you, right? You knew those things. It's fine. Enjoy. You should be happy that you are here to sing His mercy is more. The problem is, do not walk out of here today and think that you clapped and that you raised your hands and that you sang that you were spiritual, brothers and sisters. No, we are spiritual because we have obeyed the Word of God. We have gathered, we have sang, we have preached, we have read the Word. And by faith, we know that we have done what the Lord has told us to do. The highway to genuine worship is faith. It is not experience. And so this is the reason why here at FBC, we really focus on God-honoring worship. We focus on prayer, biblical exposition, the singing Christ-centered songs, the public reading of scriptures, the giving and the ordinances that we have. But now I want you to look at the end of verse 26, the purpose of the content, because this is really important. Notice that he says, let all things be done for edification. Let all things be done for edification. So recall to your mind, if you will, that what edification is. The Greek word literally means house building. So you are constructing a house from the ground up. So you lay the foundation, you begin to put the beams and the walls, you begin to construct a house. You don't start with the roof, you start with the foundation. Well, in in Christianity, in the context of, of the church, It refers to growing and improving and maturing oneself or other Christians. So according to uh, Vines' expository dictionary of Old New Testament words, listen to this. The word indicates that the promotion of spiritual growth and development of character of believers by teaching teaching or example suggesting such spiritual progress as a result, do not miss this, as a result of patient labor. Did you hear what he said? It is the result of patient labor. Paul says that the worship services are places where Christians are being built. Do you know that you are actually not here today doing nothing? You are in this place laboring with your brothers and sisters of Christ to become stronger, more mature followers of Christ. That is what we do when we gather. Well, everybody wants to say, well, the church service is a place for the hurting. Yes, we do consolation. We do comfort one another. But brothers and sisters, this is a training ground this morning. You come in here this morning to labor because you know that you are not perfect and that there are so much more areas in your life that you can be better at. You know that there's a world out there that hates you and you need to persevere through it. So you come into this place and say, God, I am here to be built up. I am here to be made stronger. I am here to, to grow and to mature. The actions of the Corinthians were not motivated by, by edification, but self-glorification. They labored to look and feel like they were spiritual people rather than actually being faithful or spiritual people. They traded edification for self-glorification. And yet, like the Corinthians, brothers and sisters, I believe that we have traded edification for something else as well. Entertainment. That in an effort to draw a crowd and sustain numbers, the church has chosen to entertain rather than to edify. Listen to the definition of entertain. To keep, to hold, or maintain in the mind. In other words, your attention is being held. You're entertained and it holds you. So think on that for a moment. 
worship services are no longer about laboring to become strong, mature followers of Christ. We are actually nowadays laboring just to hold your mind on God. How sad that we can't even come into the place of God and for just an hour, hour and 15 minutes, and keep our mind on the one who gave his life for us. That we have to trade in edification for entertainment. In life of Corinthians, we have done this. We have traded edification for the idol of self-glorification through the means of entertainment because when you are entertained, you feel good and you walk out with an experience. And so therefore, you can say, I have met with God. The problem is you didn't want to meet with God in the first place. We had to labor to keep your mind on God. Do you know what you'd get when you entertain rather than edify? You get emptiness. You get church members who are empty. You get empty hearts. Because if you're not edifying, you're not preaching proper content, you're entertaining people, you're having to water it down, or, or you get stories and jokes, and you get some morality about go do this and go do that, but no one really gives you the content of the gospel, well, you get empty hearts. You want to know why? Because no one gets saved. Faith comes by hearing of the Word of God. The Word of God was not given forth. Entertainment went forth, so no one gets saved. And at worst, you get an experience that leads you to, what did Brother Ed say? To that wide road of counterfeit, what? That counterfeit conversion. And so our churches are full of people who have not been saved, but think they're saved. We have false conversions. You have empty hearts in the church. Because we have not given the proper content. We've actually replaced it with something that you would enjoy a lot better. But not only do you get empty hearts, brothers and sisters, you get empty minds. In the, in the con- if the content does not edify, if it's not growing you, improving you, then what happens is you get generations of Christians who have no biblical knowledge. You, you get generations of people who know that Jesus came and he was a good man and he died and he rose. That's about it. Many were shocked, probably, I wondered how many were shocked at Brother Ed the other day that when he said that Satan is not Lord of hell. That Jesus did not come to save you from Satan, but he came to save you from himself, from his own wrath. But yet many people believe that we are saved from Satan rather than from the wrath and judgment of God because we have not edified one another. And this, by the way, is the testimony of us here in this very place today. Because in four years that I've been here, in the four years of Trey, I have heard multiple, multiple individuals, multiple people come to me and say, Brother Brian, no one ever taught us this. Trey has heard it, and I have heard it. And, they, and many of you in this very place, and you know, you remember telling, well, you have said this, you're, you're, you're walking through these things, and you're going, why did no one, I'm 60, I'm 70, I'm 80 years old, Brother Brian, and no one has ever taught me these things. Because we wanted to entertain rather than to edify. So we have empty minds. We have people who don't know the gospel. Can't share the gospel. We have leaders and pastors who don't know the gospel. But not only have empty minds, brothers and sisters, we have empty wills. We have generations of no edification that has led us to weak Christians. In the same way that years of no exercise lead us physical, leave us in physical weakness. 
years of no edification in the worship service, especially with children and teenagers, where we tell our children they need to go somewhere else, and we tell our teenagers you need to have a service beyond this, because, because as though the Word of God cannot reach a child or a teenager, and we wonder why when they're 18 they never come back. Because we entertained them and we didn't edify them. We didn't grow them, we didn't improve them, and we didn't mature them. Because we told them the worship gathering was boring and they needed something else. And so they didn't persevere. Or how about this one, that when COVID happens, even today there are churches who are still not meeting and people who will not go to church and ever go to church again because they could not persevere through covid we're not talking about beheadings we're not talking about people being arrested and going to jail we're not talking about being crucified upside down brothers and sisters we're talking about a about a a a cold a flu that i mean yes it killed people i'm not downplaying that worldwide i get that but they couldn't persevere they couldn't persevere and we wonder why because for years we entertained them. Or how about this one? They simply just get older. They just simply get older and they're too tired to come to church. I went to church, I was entertained, I'm good. But in the last years of their life, they just quit coming. Why? Because we didn't edify them. We gave them an experience. And empty hearts and empty minds and empty wills leads to empty chairs. It leads to empty chairs. You explain to me how a church with a thousand members on the roll can only average 130 weekly. And I ain't just talking about, I'm talking about around the world. I'm talking about all throughout our country, churches with large roles, and yet we can't even come close to getting a 5% of that on a weekly gathering. The explanation, FBC, is that the people of God have traded the edification of the saints for the idol of self-glorification of spiritual experiences and entertainment rather than growing, maturing, and improving the saints of God. And the words of A.W. Tozer, brothers and sisters, ring true today. Without worship, we go about as a miserable people. We are miserable without the Word. I don't mean you just feel miserable. I mean that if you go your entire life just missing church and not getting proper content, you will be a miserable, miserable Christian. You You will not run the race well. So FBC, the worship gathering is not a theater to be entertained in. It is a gym. It is a training ground where we labor to be built and strengthened into strong Christ followers. And so I submit to you this morning two things that must take place of all churches, but especially even ourselves, that one, that we must repent of this. We must repent that if we have failed, that if our church has failed to edify its people, then we need to repent of this because it is a command of God that we edify and grow and build strong Christian men, strong Christian women, strong Christian young people. 
Local churches who have withheld biblical content from our church members should repent. Pastors who have traded the, the edification for entertainment, pastors who trade the gospel for stories and jokes need to repent and turn and begin to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To turn from the purpose of, of experiences so that we may edify one another. Quit trying to make people look Christian and feel Christian and actually be Christian. But what is the question is, brothers and sisters, is what is First Baptist Church of Jonesboro going to do about it? What is First Baptist Church of Jonesboro going to provide when people walk into this church? What is the purpose of FBC when we gather content that edifies or content that makes you feel like you really had an, a wonderful experience? But I'll go further, and I'll say this. Brother and sister, if you have failed to embrace the labor of edification, then you yourself must repent. Paul says in verse 37, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize the things which I write to you or to you are the Lord's commandment. So here's the problem is that we have men and women who think they're spiritual just because they come to church a couple times a week. And just because they do some certain things or experience. Paul is not saying it. Paul is saying if you are not laboring, if you are not, as that, that Greek word, agonizing, if you are not, if you are not wrestling, you are not to be considered spiritual within the local church. Some of us need to repent because we have carried ourselves in that way and we are not spiritual and we need to repent and be recognized, recognize that the labor of the Christian is to gather together week after week after week after week that we may be grown into godly men and godly women. But I would even go further this morning and say, brothers and sisters, not only do we repent, we must move forward. Look at verse 39 and 40. He says, therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. So we'll get to that next week. He says, do not forbid speaking tongues. But, but notice this. He says, but all things must be done. Notice what he says, properly and orderly. So he says, do not, for, for, do not forbid to prophesy. He said, earnestly prophesy. And if you have an opportunity for tongues, do so. But notice what he says. You do it properly. So notice what he tells us, brothers and sisters. We must repent and we must move forward properly to provide the proper content for when we gather. FPC, we need to commit to the proper content, which is at its very core, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to come and in every place, and let me just give it to you today, to come and to tell you about Jesus Christ. To come and tell you the bad news, that you have sinned. And if you were not a member here today, and maybe this morning, you, maybe, you're, maybe you're just saying, you know, maybe I'm not a believer. Maybe I'm one of those people who was entertained. Then please hear me this morning. Please hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That this morning, that you are a sinner. We are all sinners. And we are not, listen, our greatest threat is not the devil. Our greatest threat is the fact that we have sinned against a holy, righteous, and just God. And there's going to come a day in which we are going to stand before him, and his wrath is going to be poured upon all of us sinners. So we are all under the judgment of God because of our sin. But by God's mercy, his mercy, did you hear the song? His mercy is more that Jesus, that God sent Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin. He was 100% man. He was 100% God. But Jesus did what you couldn't do, and he did what Adam could not do. He lived perfect 
perfectly, never sinning in thought or in action, always keeping the law. Jesus was an innocent man in the eyes of God. And out of great love and goodness, he gives his life in your place and receives the judgment and wrath of God upon you, upon himself, for you in your place, that if you would repent and believe in him, you can be saved. How can you know that? Because on the third day, that brother rose from the grave. Because on the third day, he defeated death and he defeated sin and he rose from the grave in all victory. So not only do we sing mercy is more, but we sing victory in Jesus. Amen? And so if you this morning are not saved, and that, brother says, that is your only hope. And so therefore, we proclaim that to you this morning and tell you that you must repent and believe in Christ and come. That you must come and seek Jesus Christ this morning. We must expound the gospel. That is, that's how we move forward. The content, we must expound upon that content and the doctrines of that content that you may grow and know Christ. So listen to me. Those who have said, Brother Brian, I'm 60, 70, and 80 years old. I never knew what I'm knowing. I never knew what I know now. Well, you know what? I understand that frustration because I have it. But praise be to God you know now. Praise be to God, you know now, that we as a faith family have gathered together today and said we are going to preach and exhort the Word of God and teach the Word of God. And you know what? We're not going to fire our pastors for doing so. But we're going to embrace it. And then you're going to take it home. And though it's hard, especially Ecclesiastes, it's hard. For those of you in Sunday school, you know what I'm talking about. You labor, and you labor, and you labor, and you labor to be edified, to grow and mature and improve in your walk with Christ. And brothers and sisters, this is what we do. If we don't, there will be far more empty seats in this church in 10 years than it is now. Let me say it again. If we don't edify people now, there will be far more empty seats in this church in 10 years than it is now. So what do we do? You must embrace God-honoring worship every time that we gather to pray, biblical expositions, to sing Christ-centered songs, the public reading of scriptures, the giving and the observance of the ordinances of baptism and Lord's Supper. You must embrace faithful attendance to worship to the worship gatherings. Paul says, if you think you're spiritual but you don't even come to church, we will not recognize you as being spiritual. You are not to be given a position of leadership if you cannot be faithful to to fall under the authority of Christ and his scriptures, the commandment of the Lord, to gather, and not only just to gather, but gather properly and orderly. So brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. You cannot be a strong follower if you're not here. We plead with you. We tell you out of great love for you. We want to shepherd you. We want to grow you. We want to help you. And not only that, I need you to help me grow. Your shepherd is not without needs. And your shepherd is not without without need of sanctification. I need you. We need one another. Brothers and sisters, we also finally, we must persevere in faith. I know that it's easier to manufacture experiences. I know that it's easier to entertain. I know these things. But we are not people of entertainment and we are not people of experiences and we are not people of emotions. We are the people of faith. We trust in the promises of God 
knowing that his word is good. And even if I, if I obey and I don't even feel like it's good, I know he's good and I've done what he said. And so therefore we have faith that these things w- w- that we do in here, when we walk out, even when the pastor botches the sermon and Brother Trey misses a verse and that whatever, we know that we have met with God because God has told us. And so I leave you with these words, in the words of A.W. Tozer. Not only does he say, without worship, we go about miserable people, but I would also add that he also said this, that we must never rest until everything inside of us worships God. Does this describe you tomorrow morning? On Tuesday morning, are you restless and miserable because you can't wait to get to the, to the next Sunday? Or are you restless and miserable because you didn't come to the previous Sunday? Do you, or, or maybe you came, but the content wasn't there, right? Do you long for Sunday mornings because you long to worship God? And brothers and sisters, are you weak because you have not met with God and the faith family? Ask yourself these questions. Examine your life. And if you find that, yourself, that you are miserable and restless, it may be because you have not properly worshipped. Let's pray.